Today's reading is from Acts, chapter 1, verses 12 to 26. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled, in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, his body burst open and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language Akaldema, that is, field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, May his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Basabas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the eleven apostles. Well, if you've closed your Bibles, then it would be really helpful to have Acts chapter 1 and verse 12 just open in front of you, and let me lead us in a short prayer. Father, thank you for your word, the Bible. We pray that you might speak to us through it this morning, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, I'm sure um, one of the things we're going to do when lockdown finishes, uh, we're going to be getting back to going to see the dentist. And one thing that we do when we go to the dentist, uh, we will wait in the waiting room for a little while, won't we? And uh, I guess there probably won't be any magazines, but uh, most people are on their phones doing one thing or other, Facebook or Instagram or clearing out old messages or photos or whatever it would be. Uh, For myself, I also wonder just what people have come for. Are they going to the hygienist? Uh, Are they coming for a filling? Is it just a check-up? Maybe there's root canal treatment uh, or having their dentures checked or whatever. Um, We'll never know. But we're all waiting. And then, sure as anything, at some points the nurse comes and uh, then we go down uh, and we find the dentist and the uh, dentist's chair waiting for us. Now, when we come to Acts chapter 1 and verses 12 to 26, it's a waiting room. It really is a waiting room. So we see in verse 13, when they arrived, that is after the ascension, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. And it's uh, effectively, it really is just simply 
a waiting room. Luke calls it the room where they were staying. But it's a waiting room. And they're waiting for the Spirit to come. They've been told they need to wait. Uh, And we know, uh, when you look back to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 there, Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. But you have to wait. And then, when when the Holy Spirit comes, you will be my witnesses in, in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But at the moment, they're in the waiting room. It's really as if they're waiting for an explosion. You know, sometimes um, when you see on the news, maybe it's a great big tall chimney, or there's a building which is going to uh, be demolished, and crowds of people wait for the explosion. And then when it comes, there are ripples of the dust going out from whatever. Or uh, sometimes there's a volcano. People are thinking it will erupt at some point. And then it does. And then you see the lava coming down, and it's spreading out through the surrounding countryside. Well, at the moment... The, uh, the early Christians are waiting for this explosion to happen. And in Acts chapter 2, uh, we will be seeing that it does happen. But for the moment, what are they going to do while they're waiting? So uh, that's the first big heading for this morning. And uh, it's not simply this. What did they do? What did they do? How did they pass the time? Uh, what were they going to be doing in this time? There are around about 120 people there. We see that in verse 15. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. That's the 11 remaining apostles and those with them, who we saw in verse 14. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. But, so what did they do? Well, the first thing is, they prayed. They prayed. That's the first fundamental thing they did. They prayed. Well, I I suppose you'd expect them to. They were Christian people. You'd expect them to pray. Uh, But it is a good example for us. And it's a big encouragement for us as well to pray. And you notice in verse 14, it says, They all joined together constantly in prayer. They all joined together constantly in prayer. They all prayed. They all joined together to pray. They all joined together constantly, or the word actually is busy. They were busy, and of course, they were praying. So clearly, it, it wasn't just something for, the, for the, the keen, or the mature ones, or the, the spiritually attuned amongst them. No, this was something for everyone. They all prayed, and they all prayed together together and that's uh, something which christians learn to do it was for them it was doesn't seem it was some kind of optional extra it's just what they did and i'm sure when they first began and they first began praying maybe there were some of the extroverts who would be those who pray out loud maybe there were others who were very quiet and perhaps a bit intimidated by other people maybe there were some who thought well i better give it a go i don't really know what to say uh, and it all came out a bit jumbled and frankly felt a bit wrong but they prayed they praise. Uh, it was just something that fundamentally that's what they did. And as they prayed, I'm, I'm sure some of them had just perhaps really quite short prayers. Maybe some had great, long, eloquent prayers. It didn't matter. They prayed. They all joined together uh, in prayer. And it was delightful before Easter at our regular monthly prayer meeting and then on Maundy Thursday when we met on Zoom to see all those screens and uh, uh, the number of people who had joined together to pray. It was really encouraging. And we're going to be working out. We'd love to pray more regularly as a, as a church family at BH. I know Holy Cross and Goldstone do anyway. But at BH, we'd love to do uh, more on that front. It's just finding a, a free time and a free evening uh, to do it. But we will be doing that. But we do have the prayer meeting 
<coughs> on uh, that first Wednesday, uh, the second Wednesday of every month, so next Wednesday, we, <coughs> we will be meeting to pray. Now, uh, the word together here is a real favourite word of Luke's. It's a real favourite word of his. <coughs> in fact, it's only used once by anyone else in the rest of the whole of the rest of the New Testament. And it's not just physically together, but he's actually, the word together just gives the idea that of them being united. They're agreeing about what they want. So, <coughs> when we meet together to pray, for instance, we're united in praising God, and we'll be united in what we're asking him for. So, uh, when we meet together to pray, for instance, the thing that, that I would hope would be the top of our minds, learning from, from the Bible, is that actually we want, in this time, strange times of lockdown, but we want people to come to know Jesus for themselves. Yes, of course we're going to be praying for Corona. Yes, of course we'll be praying for our doctors, our care homes, our healthcare professionals, and so on. Yes, of course we'll be praying for older and vulnerable people. But actually, underneath all that, and fundamental to it all is we want more people to come to know Jesus to fulfill this great commission to take the gospel to the world so let's pray together not just during lockdown but actually let's make a point of praying and continuing to pray together or as it says there they all joined together constantly in prayer or or literally busy they were busy at prayer that's, that's a good little description. It's a good thing to think about, isn't it? Please, please, or would you make would you make me busy at prayer? Please, or would you make our whole church family busy at prayer? Please, or would you make Holy Cross and Goldstone busy at prayer? That's a great prayer to pray. Pray, Lord, that we pray. Please help us to pray. So the first thing is they prayed. The second thing that happened is they waited. Is they prepared. They prepared. Now, this springtime, a lot of people have been busy preparing bird feeders for the spring. And uh, I'm no exception, been uh, preparing, putting food out and so on. Uh, we have quite a few squirrels in our garden. So part of my preparations, you see it on the picture here, is that we've got one of these metal bird feeder things. And part of my preparations is I grease the pole. So, uh, and it's really, I laugh out loud when I see it, but uh, when a squirrel comes and tries to get up, they kind of jump up the pole and then go straight down to the ground again. And uh, uh, maybe it's just my sense of humour. But that's part of my preparation, so I find that really quite funny. And, uh, uh, but here, they are preparing. They are preparing. I mean, people began preparing for the lockdown, didn't they? By uh, stockpiling loo rolls and pasta, amongst other things, but mainly loo rolls and pasta. And during the lockdown, Anna and I have been on uh, uh, lots of walks up Snaky Hill. And you know, on the right of, uh, and you've got Snaky Hill, on the right-hand side, there's a, there's, there's a hedge, and then there are more houses behind the hedge. If you've got the other side of the hedge, there has been, I'm not sure if they've still got it on the back of the van, but there's a, there's a van parked there. Uh, and it says on the back, no loo rolls are kept in this vehicle overnight. I think that's a, that's a great little sign on the back. Well, here in Acts chapter 1, the early Christians were preparing. And the, the apostles, they're down one. Judas is himself. Uh, left their number and betrayed Jesus and then uh, it's, uh, he's taken his own life now there is a bit of a contradiction you may know between uh, Matthew's record or at least an apparent contradiction in Matthew chapter 27 and what we're told here Matthew says he went and hanged himself uh, and here it says Luke um, as, it, as it says 
uh, in the passage here uh, we're told that um, in verse 18 Judas bought a field where he fell headlong his body burst open and all his intestines spilled out now it could well be that he hanged himself in the field actually and then maybe his dead body was decomposing or was swelling up with the gases of decomposition maybe the branch broke or someone knocked the corpse and it fell into the field and burst as intestines spilled out so it's not to say there is a contradiction here you may think it is first of all but it's uh, there are plenty of good reasons for believing that actually the bible does not contradict itself so, uh, uh, so here we are, they're one down, uh, Judas has left their number, uh, and the main point here is that Judas needs replacing. Uh, so in verse 20, for instance, it's, uh, it's quoting Psalm 109, and it says this, May his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and then, Psalm 109, may another take his place of leadership. Now in the Old Testament, they had 12 tribes being the sum of God's people. In the New Testament, they've had 12 apostles being the sum of the new God's people. And the, but now they're down to 11, they just want to take that up to the number. So it is saying, look, we've got a new version, if you like, of God's people. We've got the new people of God. Uh, and so they decide they're going to choose another apostle. And there are three criteria. Verse 21 says he has to be someone who's been with Jesus. Therefore, it's necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time. The Lord Jesus was living among us. The end of verse 22 uh, talks about him being a witness of the resurrection. He says, uh, for one, uh, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. And then in verse 24, uh, in some, it's talking about they, 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 there needs to be someone who's personally commissioned by Jesus. And the way that Jesus does that here is that uh, Jesus overrules in this casting of the lots to make his choice clear. Now, some people get a bit worked up about casting lots. They think it's gambling. And it's not gambling. Uh, actually, it was used in the Old Testament, not, uh, not infrequently. It was used, for instance, in the, the carving out of the Promised Land in, uh, in the book of Joshua, uh, chapter 18. And in Proverbs, chapter 16, and verse 33, it says this, The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord." So they, they, they did a bit of background and so on, and they were praying about it, and then they simply asked the Lord if he would use this method to show who the next apostle should be. Uh, so it's a group of people then which went back up to 12, uh, the full number of the apostle, and they were a group of people on a mission. Now, uh, there's a guy called Admiral Mahon of the American Navy during the War of Independence, so a long, long time ago now. But he used to say this to his junior officers. Gentlemen, whenever you set out to accomplish anything, make up your mind at the outset about your ultimate objective. Once you have decided on it, take care never to lose sight of it. And their ultimate objective as we've seen back in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, is that the gospel should go out in all these rippling, ripplings out from the centres of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Their ultimate objective is the gospel should go to the world. So, once they've received the Holy Spirit, and they begin, that's what's going to happen. But in the meantime, they're in the waiting room, they prayed, and they prepared. Second big point is this us so we've seen what happened to them now what about us what do we do uh, i mean it's all very interesting but 
maybe. But was it? But, but yeah, it is. But what does it say to us? Is it relevant? Actually, it is. It's highly relevant for us. Uh, I mean, uh, we're all locked down in our upper rooms waiting, but, but uh, uh, you could say that at the moment. And, uh, uh, but let's not get silly about uh, talking about parallels. The question is, what does this passage of the Bible say to us today, now? And uh, uh, the first thing to note is this. So the first thing is this. We're not waiting anymore. They were waiting, but we're not waiting anymore. The day of Pentecost happened, the Holy Spirit's been given, uh, the church has been born, evangelism has begun, begun. world mission is on the agenda, uh, and the gospel has gone around the world. The explosion has happened. We're not waiting anymore. We're not waiting anymore. We're going out with the gospel. It's like some great sporting event, say uh, uh, a cup final in football or something like that. And, and, uh, uh, and the teams are on the pitch and then the ref blows the whistle and the match gets underway. Well, the whistle was blown on the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago. The match is underway. The match is still underway. Except we're not the spectators. We're on the pitch. All Christians are on the pitch. And the match is still underway and will continue to be underway until Jesus returns. So that's the first thing. We're not waiting anymore. The explosion has happened. The whistle has been blown. The game has begun. We're on the pitch. And we're serving the Lord Jesus. Second thing to say is we do pray. Uh, Verse 14 is a great example, isn't it? They all join together constantly in prayer. Uh, And it's a great example for Christians of all time. Of course we pray. That's what Christians do. That's what we want to do, isn't it? And uh, so that's what we do. And we will pray persistently. We'll be busy in prayer. We'll keep on praying through thick and thin, through good and bad. We will keep on praying. And uh, in, the good cele- in the great celebrations, in the times of pain and distress, the times of difficulty and sadness and loss, in the ordinary times of life, we will still be busy in prayer. That's what Christians do. That's what we want to encourage one another to do. We'll carry on praying. And we'll carry on praying together. Because we're God's people. And that's what God's people do. We'll be praying at Goldstone. We'll be praying at Holy Cross. We'll be praying at BH. We'll be praying in our small groups. We'll keep on praying. Because that's what Christian people do. And we are prepared. So we're not waiting anymore. We do pray. And third, we are prepared. We are prepared. Um, Over these coming weeks, we're going to be celebrating the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and the birth of the Christian church. Um, And Jesus said that he, that the Holy Spirit, is our preparation. He is our equipment for the task of world evangelization, of taking the gospel to the world. Um, uh, in, in, say, the last 20 or 30 years or so, uh, uh, Christian circles, evangelical Christian circles, have been very strong in training, but almost to the point where we say, or have been saying, hey, you know, there's, there's just, you know, you've got to do so much training before you're allowed to do anything. Be trained in this, trained in that. And that's reflecting the world around us, isn't it? You do hear people, don't you, if there's been a big event and on the news and they're being interviewed and they just say, oh, well, my training kicked in or I just did what my training was saying. Training's a big thing. Uh, and we should be keen to be trained. So that's why, for instance, I'm running a growing leaders course to help train leaders for the future at BH. But actually, we also need to remember that in terms of witness, in terms of saying what we've seen, 
which is what we were told we were going to be in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, we don't need a whole heap of training. We just go out there and we talk, as Dave was talking, telling us about last week. We get out there and we talk and we invite people along to things and we try to tell people a little bit about Jesus and so on. We speak to our neighbours. We speak to our friends. We say, you know, BH uh, you know, is on YouTube. Just uh, search for Bishop Hannington Church or uh, Holy Cross or Goldstone. We can just search for these, uh, for these folks. Or I find my faith gives me a real... Uh, peace and contentment in these, in these hard times. It means the world to me is even more important at the moment because of what is going on. Don't hang back. Don't wait. Let's take the opportunities the Lord gives us to tell other people, yes, I am a Christian. I'm part of Bishop Hannington Church. I'm part of Holy Cross. And yes, we do have online services at the moment. You could just uh, uh, have a look and see what you think sometime this week. Uh, and if you think they are, just say, well, I think they're really good. So, um, Uh, For us, we're not waiting anymore. We do pray. We are prepared. And the fourth thing to say, this is the final thing, is this. We have gone. We have gone. 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, we went to the world. And Christians have been going ever since. Christians from BH have been going ever since this church was founded. There are Christians from BH all over the world. And they've gone all over the world to take the gospel, to help to take the gospel to the world. Uh, Some of us going to the world next door. Some of us going to our neighbours. Some of us going to our work colleagues. Some of us in full-time paid Christian ministry to take the gospel maybe to other nations. Um, But Christians going to the world. I mean, this church, this parish, is named after a guy who took the gospel to Uganda. And actually what he was wanting to do was open up a road into Uganda so that others could take the gospel as well. What a great idea. But he paid for it with his life. On the 29th of October 1885 James Hannington but we can follow his example and uh, I long for for more people from this church from our churches to take the gospel to the world and you think you can't you think I've got to be really special to do that well let me tell you as we finish about William Carey William Carey is given the title the father of modern missions And let me read this to you. He was born into abject poverty, became an apprentice shoemaker, but couldn't make the grade. He had a poor education. He tried running a school, but failed. He was in an unhappy marriage, and he lost a daughter early on, an event that led to his baldness. He was a deeply committed believer. He tried his hand as a pastor, but his sermons were so boring that it impeded his desire to be ordained. Carey then formed his own missionary society and was its first missionary. He went to India. From a very unpromising beginning, he translated the Bible into over 30 different languages. At one stage, he lost 10 years of translation work in a fire. What was his response? He just started again. He just started again. This man's obedience and perseverance were used to impact the lives of literally millions, millions of people. And could it be you? Could you go? Would you go? As we've seen this morning, we're not waiting anymore. 
we do pray we are prepared we have gone let's pray Lord Jesus thank you for the gift of the spirit thank you that we are not in the waiting room any longer and so we pray you help us to be busy in our prayers we pray Lord you'd help us to recognize that we are prepared and to remember that we have gone the Christian church has gone and that's us and so we pray Lord you'd help us to take those opportunities this week and maybe also in this time of lockdown if you're calling us to something full time paid please Lord help us to be thinking, praying, reading talking that through for your name's sake we pray Amen <laughs>